Thank you for listening to another episode of Remake Rewind. I'm Mike, as always, with me. I've got my buddy Alex. He's my co-host, too, but he's also my bud. What's up, bud? What's up, co-host? <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were texting each other earlier, and you were like, oh, I was just trying to have a conversation with my friend, and I almost said, we are, at best, business associates for the podcast, <laughs> and I decided not to be a dick, and then you, you pulled this piece of shit move right now at the top of the episode. I'm getting you back, buddy. There you go. Fair enough. Uh, but get me back. I was, I, I didn't say that, but you know. You were being rude in our text exchange. I, I, I was being cold. That is true. That's fair. Yeah. Fair enough. Thank I was you. being sarcastic and cold and Let's being dismissive of your concerns about the uh, <laughs> financial financial institutions of this, this country that we live in. That's my point, though. I wasn't concerned. I was just pointing out like a crazy thing that happened. I don't usually see GME dip $10 at the end of the day That's within fair. a minute. But that's not what this podcast is about. It's not about our quarrels. It's not about our fading friendship. <laughs> Mike, spell quarrels right now. Q U A R R E L S. I can't. I don't know if that's wrong. I don't. Know I can't remember right. if it's two R's or not. And this is not a spelling podcast either. What we do here is we talk about a movie, its remake or reboot, and just kind of talk about whether or not the remake or reboot should have happened if it brings merit or any value to the cinematic world. Uh, not necessarily which movie is better. Sometimes that pops up. Sometimes it doesn't. But uh, in this case, uh, we're going to be covering a Christmas classic, Home Alone, and right. the uh, 2021 Disney Plus original, Home Sweet Home Alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've, we've got thoughts. And just to acknowledge at the very top, Home Alone is a classic movie. It's 30 years old at this point. There are a bunch of documentaries about the movie. There's not going to be really anything that we can say that hasn't been said, but we're going to, you know, spend a few minutes on it. But I think this will be a short episode and a bulk will be on the uh, the remake. So, yeah, we're going to say some things, but probably not as always, heard. per the huge. But, uh, you know, it's obviously, this movie, what else would we do? It is a classic, classic movie. Macaulay Culkin, Catherine O'Hara, John Candy's in it briefly and had to, you know, do a 24 hour set um, day just to, you know, get his cameos and scenes in. Um, John Hughes, Chris Columbus. He's just just an all star cast and production crew. Just a fantastic yeah. movie. Do we but, say uh, John Williams? John Williams for the score. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Like the, for me, Christmas doesn't start until it doesn't matter when I put up the tree. doesn't matter when I do my Christmas shopping. Christmas doesn't start until I watch this movie and I watch it every year um, a little earlier this year than usual. But, you know, it's I've got to watch it every year. And the second one. Yeah. When does. um? So Christmas starts when you watch this. When does uh? what, what does Die Hard signify? When in the month you watch so Die, Die Hard? Hard? We actually normally watch either on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. The last few oh. years we've watched it on Christmas Day. Um, just there was like one year we didn't get to it until Christmas Day, and I think the last two or three years we've just watched it on Christmas Day. Um, nice, but uh, yeah, I mean it, the the staples are, um, Home Alone, Die Hard, Christmas Story, and Elf. Like we got to watch those ones every year, and then we'll yeah. throw in you know one of the classics, you know Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street or It's a Wonderful Life. But those aren't ones that we necessarily watch every year because you know It's a Wonderful Life is a little depressing, but you know it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. But uh. Right, what are, what are your takes on this movie? Yeah, I mean, you put me on the spot here. It's I, what can I say that uh, that you didn't just say? There's nothing to be said about this movie. Like, it's a classic. 
Um, people have been talking about it for 30 years. I don't think we have too much to add. A lot of the notes that I have are uh, are just like fun little Wait things. Wait a second, that Macaulay I... Culkin's here, special guest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's bring him out. Uh, a lot of things that I picked up on this time around were just like things that I haven't noticed in my you know dozen watches of this, dozen plus watches. So I don't, I don't know if I have anything to add to the conversation beyond well, it's a fantastic me, tell me, movie. Tell me, tell me these things that you noticed this time that you didn't notice on your previous dozens of watches. Well, well, sir, um, the, the music, John Williams, man, like how incredible is that score? I mean, everything he touches is gold. He wakes up in the morning and pisses excellence. <laughs> and it just sounds fantastic, you know? It hits the You're porcelain in- and it's just like, yeah. I think sorry. I think one of the things I really like consciously thought about this time around was how creepy the movie is um, from the moment it gets going. And like, it's not creepy all the way through, but the score and the way they choose to do the opening credits like sets a tone of like something's amiss, you know? And, the, yeah. and that's kind of what the movie's about. Like, it's it's Home Alone. There's a kid Home Alone. There's just scary guys outside. And the music really like sets that tone, and also just the uh, the way those titles come in, like very Stranger Thingsy, they come <laughs> out, you know, from you into the into the movie, um, and it opens up on like uh, on a dark night with uh, with uh, like a full moon behind clouds. It's kind of spooky. It is, and then like, and speaking of spooky, you know, Kevin, as this movie goes, he goes from being, you know, Kevin! I don't, I don't want to say he's timid because he's very used to standing up for himself because like his whole family kind of shits on him uh, and like kevin is an asshole and and i kind of get it because everyone kind of treats him like shit but like he is afraid it, you know early on in the movie he's hiding under the bed a bunch and then he has to make this conscious decision to not be afraid because he's realizing he's on his own and yeah. i think that's it's, it's a an pretty arc. incredible story yeah there's an arc there even if it's not um the the most surface level thing and it's not super high stakes that Kevin learns to take care of himself and not be afraid of things. It's still something that like resonates with you on an unconscious level while you're watching it. And especially growing re- up with this movie. Yeah. And we should revisit that point when we get into the new one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, his family is absolutely awful to him too. And he like <laughs> he takes some shots back, but you can tell that it's coming from a place of like, I'm not being seen or heard, and that makes me feel bad. Yeah. And that's like a very he valid feels feeling for anybody, but especially for a little kid. Well, what I do appreciate about this one, and this is something that I've noticed more as an adult, you know, over subsequent rewatches over the last few years, is um, it's really easy to just say these family, this family is shitty and they're all awful people. And, like, they have these moments where they're awful. But when you look at both movies, and even this movie... When they realize he's gone, there's not a single family member, with the exception of maybe Buzz, where he's like, hey, I'm not that lucky. B, I'm not that lucky. You know, whatever. Um, what but, you get from Buzz, though, is like his way of being, um, you know, a caring older brother. He's a teenager. Like, whatever. Yeah, but like, like you get you get more out of him than you would expect. Yeah. But I mean, every sibling is on the phone in the airport trying to make yeah. calls to neighbors. Everybody's concerned. Everybody's going up to like our brother's missing. Like they are all generally concerned about the welfare of their brother, even though they seem like they pick on him because he's the runt of the family. They all genuinely care where he is. Yeah. Which yeah. I never really picked on as picked up on as a kid. So I, the family is loving. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they are, you know, awful to him in that night. And I, I guess like you kind of, I don't want to say you, you see both sides, like you see the family's side, but I think you can kind of understand that everyone is just like, uh, feeling crammed into the house. You know, it feels like yeah. a, an authentic and relatable thing that everyone's crammed in there. The holidays are, are just like, um, 
stressful and they bring up a lot of things and Kevin like you know Kevin's feelings are valid but he also spills the the drink and he's pushing buzz or whatever and it just feels like a more it feels like more of a tragedy that night yeah the fact that he gets left behind if, if this just happened at a family dinner, you know, he knocked out, you know, he fought with Buzz and it was just, you know, his immediate family probably wouldn't have been a big thing. But, you know, obviously yeah. the passports get soaked and the airline tickets get soaked. And, you know, it's it's the 90s. You can't just go online and go, oh, shit, I messed up. I need to yeah. reprint my boarding pass or pull it up on my cell phone. Like, I think the actually the worst part of that is there is there a scene before the fam the family in the house and stuff or is that kind of the opening scene? it, it opens with joe pesci is pretending to be a cop i mean like hey right, you know right. i'm trying to talk to and he, he hits yeah, up yeah. All so the it's just that whole extended scene right? exactly so kind of like the by the way i think like as far as um you know pacing and structure that is another thing that this movie does really well having all that happen in the first 10 minutes um that the the next movie doesn't necessarily do but that scene sort of culminates with um what's probably like the worst uh transgression against kevin or against the parents or whatever that's Catherine o'hara's conversation with kevin like i felt i felt for him that, that was did. kind of a brutal conversation both of them said things that uh they don't mean and that um you know kevin's a kid it's forgivable but Catherine o'hara should know better but i think that's something that she like, she kind of like egged him on yeah i think that's something that like every child and parent goes through at 100%. some point where yeah, they yeah, just yeah. they fed up with each other there's that that battle of the wills and you say shit that you don't mean and you yeah. regret it and in the moment you you might mean it but you immediately after you say it like he says yeah. it that he's like i'm sorry like well I, I don't know if i think that that's a sincere sorry but yeah <laughs> I, I think i think it's a kid saying sorry recognizing that he's wrong but also still feeling pissed off like, yeah. I think in that moment, he knows. Like, Kevin is a complicated character, and he's smart. Yeah. So. I think just to to finish that thought off, I think um, that the best thing, that one of the best things this movie does is that they have Kevin and, um, I forget the mom's name, uh, Catherine O'Hara, kind of say some awful stuff to each other. And then they spend the entire movie regretting that and just wanting to get back to each other and reconnect. Yeah. And well, definitely feel her. That. Kevin Kevin enjoys being alone for a bit. Yeah, yeah, of course. But so, generally, he wants to uh, to get back to his mom. Or get his exactly. Mom and I mean, what what are some things? Because you know, like we said, we can't. We don't want to spend a ton of time on this. Because um, yeah, you know, everybody yeah. has said something. But like, give me give me some highlights or some things that you feel we need to say. Um. <laughs> well, my first one's maybe not a need to say. But uh, I thought it was funny. The the dad forgets um, his shaving kit or something, or if he gets to pack it, and Catherine O'Hara says, he says, how am I supposed to shave? And she tells him to grow a goatee. <laughs> you still have to shave to get a goatee. Yeah, you do. If everything just grows in, it's a beard. Yeah. Um, there's okay. a lot. Well, since you got that, that nitpicky thing, I do have another nitpicky that's okay, facial hair related. So <laughs> it's a famous scene. One of the most famous, iconic moments of this movie when he puts on the aftershave and he's like, ah! Mm-hmm. Aftershave only stings if you have cuts and wounds <laughs> because it's disinfecting. It's getting into the into the yeah. open. And wound. he didn't even try to shave. He didn't like fake shave. He didn't do yeah. anything. Yeah, he would he would be fine. That wouldn't sting all that much. I think um, one of my biggest nitpicks with this movie, uh, like real nitpicks, is that the sped up footage um, when the family's packing and stuff feels very corny. You know, I I don't mind that, but you know, that's that's a stylistic thing. We can agree to disagree on that. I, I think your feelings are valid. Um, Even if I, I agree. Yeah. I, I have another one here, but I'm actually going to save that for the next movie because it's more okay, relevant. Save there. it. Keep um, it in the chamber. Did did Kevin need to hide in the manger? No. Remember he, like Harry and Marv follow him, which is terrifying. 
and he goes to the church and then um, we don't see him and Harry and Marv are like, I'm not going in there. I'm not going to church, which whatever, I guess they could go in the church. Like it's, it's fucking church. I think his rationale is he probably thought they would follow. And but then he'd be in the church. He'd be inside with, you know, other people. And like yeah, but maybe figures. they can wait it out. I don't know. He's a kid. Like there's there's obviously holes in his logic. Like he, All right. you know, he doesn't call the cops. He decides to build a fortress and a death, you know, gauntlet kind of sure, thing. Sure, sure. Right, so, right. I mean, he, he's still I like, a child. I like when Kevin says, ah, lovely cheese pizza just for me. <laughs> I'm going to start saying that more often. Uh, you know, the cashier, um, Sally is her name. Mm-hmm. She gives Kevin a really hard time at the grocery store. I went to the grocery store. My mom would l- send me into the grocery store so and stay in the um, the car with the kids, the, my younger siblings, all the time because I was yeah. the oldest of a family for it. It's a pain in the ass to get four kids out of the car. It really yeah. wasn't that big of a deal. And she's eyeballing him the entire time. Like even before she says, "Where's your parents?" She's like, I don't know. She's she's like mean mugging him. Like she wants to pick a fight. Yeah, maybe maybe kids don't go out on their own in Chicago. I like when uh, Kevin goes and talks to um, the guy dressed up as Santa. I think he like catches him at, at just as he's getting in his car. Yeah. And he's like, oh, hold on. I got to give you a present. I think Kevin's like, no, no, it's okay. He's like, no, no, no. Nobody sees Santa doesn't get a present. And he gives him three Tic Tacs. Yeah. Um, well, I do want to point this out because I see this meme every year and I just want to fucking address it. Every year we see the house and they're like, how the hell did this fall? Like, what did the father do where he can afford this mansion of a house Mm-hmm. And all the airfare for this, all these fifteen people, to Paris. Mm-hmm. Just want to settle. So you set the record. He didn't pay for all the airfare. His rich brother Rob, who lives in Paris, who also owns the house in New York in the second movie, is the one who paid for this all. So stop okay. asking the fucking question. Not this gonna, wasn't directed at you. This is directed to all the millions of people on the internet who share the same fucking meme year after year when it's answered in the movie. Well, uh, I have video recorded of you saying that, and I'll put it on TikTok, and it's going to go viral, and no one will ever bring it up again. Thank you. Why is the third movie, Home Alone 3, about a terrorist organization and a child prodigy? You know, I saw that movie once, and I hated it. The only thing I remember from that movie is it's got the, I can't remember the actor's name right now, but he's from Third Rock from the Sun. Um, But the only part I remember is the kid. There's a point where he, like, smashes his dick and balls when a toilet seat cover falls on him while he's peeing and like that's the thing like in this one they're like kevin can't pack a suitcase and then in that movie it's like this kid can't pee standing up without smashing his junk in a toilet seat like that's the only thing i remember about that movie and i've seen it once that's awful i just like even you know before the movie is done or anything why is that the direction that they chose to go in i don't know man you know um joe pesci had a really good run uh during this time yeah, early 90s was peak Joe Pesci. Lethal Weapon 2, Goodfellas, Home Alone, My Cousin Vinny, Lethal Weapon 3, and Home Alone 2, all between 89 and 92. Fantastic run. Yeah. My so Cousin good. Vinny is so fantastic, and that's a movie I saw a thousand times on TV, and then I bought it on DVD a few years ago and did not realize how much of an R-rated movie that was because of all the <laughs> editing on TV. It was like I think that- watching it for the first time ever. I think that Joe Pesci should be Uncle Ben in the Spider-Man movies. That would be pretty funny. That'd be fantastic. Weird, kind of a weird incest thing, right? But no, I don't think so. Is Marissa Tomei his cousin in that movie? No, that's his girlfriend. The oh, yeah. cousin is uh, Ralph Macchio. Oh yeah, that's right. You fool! 
Uh, it's um, it's weird. It's weird that the movie keeps on going for so long after he defeats the wet bandits. And like, there's a lot of heart in it. You know, it's fine. But it also kind of felt like that was the end of the movie. And then there was another like five minutes. Yeah, I didn't mind that. Like, he's got to get it. I do. Th- the one thing that I think is really funny is that he cleans up the whole house. Obviously, misses the little gold tooth. And the dad's yeah. like, "What? what is this? Except for Buzz's room. Like it ends with, but what did you do to my room? And then like, I didn't mind that. Yeah, I th- I think it's funny. I just think it's funny that like that's the only evidence that he like misbehaved is that he like yeah. destroyed Buzz's room. Um, Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. The church. The ch- <laughs> What's your favorite scene in this movie? Top of your head. Oh man, it's so hard. I love this movie from beginning to end. I I, I don't did think not I could- realize. I'm interrupting you because I have an answer. Oh, go. Um, I didn't realize until this watch that I think my favorite scene is uh, when he's in the church with the old man and the old man um, explains to him why he's not talking to his son anymore. And Kevin like helps him. Um, it's very endearing issue. and touching. Oh, it's, it's fantastic, man. It's and so good. That's, that's something I love about this movie is that like even though Kevin str- has his family struggles and he's going through and realizing he actually loves his family. He doesn't want his family to, to be gone anymore. And he's kind of going through a similar thing and teaches the adult thing. Each movie he learns, or the two movies, he's only done two of them. Um, but the two with Macaulay Culkin, he encounters an adult that initially scares him. And he, you know, he learns not to prejudge people. And, and he improves these people's lives by, you know, being friendly with him when, you know, a lot of people look down on him. So I think that's fantastic. I, I, I just don't want to say a bunch of things that everybody has said before. The traps are brutal. They kill, you know, th- those people would be dead multiple times over. Yes, we know. Yeah. But it's, they're so ingenious. It's so fun. And, you know, I'll probably watch this again before Christmas just because I actually did. Um, obviously, I'm, I don't know if you guys can tell. I tr- had some tea before recording, but my voice is a little off. I got a little you bit of a sound cold. great. So I fell asleep a little bit. Um, but I've seen this movie a thousand times, so I felt comfortable talking about it. So I didn't go through and rewatch it, but I'll probably rewatch it again before Christmas comes around. But it, it's it's a damn near perfect movie. Yeah, like there's yeah. there's not I don't think there's a wasted frame. I love all the setup. I love you know the detail of them accidentally throwing out his plane ticket, so that's why they didn't realize he was gone. And the kid, you know, being there and gets counted. Like there's just everything lines up and makes sense. And I this- that's there's a reason why I wanted to end with that. Yeah, my um, from my standpoint, if you have something else to add, by all means. Uh, just to say this, this movie is so good that we've talked about it for 15 minutes and haven't even mentioned John Candy. I mentioned John Candy at the beginning. We've I barely mentioned, mentioned that. Yeah, but we haven't like talked. Don't give me a hard time, buddy. Well, don't we say I didn't do we something. We haven't talked when I do about it. John Candy being in this movie, really. Yeah, you he's mentioned fantastic. that he's in there, but like he's so good. Polka so polka. Yeah, he's fantastic. I love John Candy. I miss him. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Next segment. What have you been up to, bud? I, you know, just been watching some stuff. Um, still watching Succession, killing nice. it. Can't Kieran Culkin. See, can't wait. Yeah, nice little connection to uh, to Home Alone. Um, I like to imagine that they are uh, that they take place in the same universe. Nice. That Roman uh, grew up pissing the bed because he had too much Pepsi, and that is <laughs> why he is the way he is. I started watching the new season of Curb fantastic nice um are you, you're not keeping up with that at all right no i don't really like larry david i think he's a terrible person he's like <laughs> okay. super misogynistic and like no he's a like he's a piece of shit oh, okay like he had, it was this kind of podcast yeah no he he um there was this very short-lived show uh where basically 
you know, let's say you and me had a quarrel. I'm just going to use that word again since we used it earlier, and it's a good word. We would go on the show, and a celebrity judge would say, like, decide who the winner of the argument is. And so there was an episode. It was the very first episode. There was a woman who was, like, really pissed off that her husband would, like, never, you know, help with the chores, wouldn't do anything with the kids, wasn't doing – just being a piece of shit husband. And so she was just, let's stop sleeping with him until he decided to be, like, a good husband. And Larry David is just like, nope, you lose. Like the idea, as soon as you get married, the idea is you get sex whenever you want. And I was just like, that's a piece of shit kind of outlook. Fuck you, Larry David. And I've hated him ever since. Okay. Well, you win that argument. Uh, in other news, I watched uh, Repo Man. Again? Uh, no, I watched Repo Man, not Repo Men. Oh, got it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, with Emilio Estevez um, at all. And that movie is just fantastic. I think that might be... Uh, a perfect movie as well hmm, i don't um, even know what that is oh yeah it, it's great dude uh it's a criterion collection oh how old is it when did it come out 1984 oh okay it's an old uh, one is this like uh punk in los angeles and he gets roped into being um uh, a repo man oh i know um, what this movie i've heard okay i know which one you're talking about now i've never seen it but i know what you're talking about all right so anyway, i watched that it's great oh, good. Uh, I mean, i've seen it before but i rewatched it uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I really enjoyed and a lot of people have been shitting on. I fucking loved it. I cried like a baby at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't cry like a baby, but got a little welled up. It's nice. Uh, I well, openly I don't spoil wept. Anything. Yeah, it was good. Um, <laughs> and the product placement like doesn't bother me. Like, yeah, Paul Red's character would go to a Walmart in the middle of the country and he likes Baskin and Robbins. I don't even I don't even know that the Baskin Robbins is really product placement in the true sense of the word because uh, Paul Rudd seems to have Baskin Robbins in every movie that he's yeah in. He, that's true Ant Man yeah. they always know or they always yeah. find out or whatever it is that's right um, and then uh, I watched Kung Pao Enter the Fist last night which is one of my favorite movies I saw totally your Instagram and now I really want to watch it and I'll probably watch it tonight or tomorrow because Katrina's out of town and she fucking hates that movie that but I love so that movie is in middle yeah, school it's so fun. Uh, I wish they made another one. Um, and then my other uh, surprise, um, surprisingly good movie was uh, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. I want to watch that. That's with um, um, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig. That's a really good transition to my list of what I've been up to, bud. Because I, uh, after watching Ghostbusters Afterlife, I decided to rewatch the 2016 female one. And mm. I, I mean, I was traveling. I went to Alaska uh, for a wedding um, last week. And so I watched that on the plane. Unfortunately, it was the extended edition. Apple digital copy was only the extended edition, which is not as good as the theatrical version. It's just like the jokes go on too long. But I actually do not dislike the the female Ghostbusters movie. I think mm-hmm. the special effects are cool. Um, I really like what it does with aspect ratio, where it has like the the proton burst goes outside of the aspect ratio. I think it's I think it's a f- solid movie, and I think uh, Chris Hemsworth is hilarious in it. Uh, yeah, I, he's the I, best part for me. I, I genuinely think it's a pretty solid movie. Um, I rewatched Dread because yeah. you know, it's it's a fantastic movie. You don't need watched a Blade Runner, the the original yeah. one. Uh, fantastic. Katrina had never seen it. I I've never actually seen it all the way through. I've seen all of it, but not beginning to end. So we watched the final cut. Fantastic. We watched the second season of The Great, which is great. And then. Oh, it's great. Uh, Hawkeye came out, and yeah. I watched the first three episodes of Hawkeye. Nice. I'm gonna watch uh, one of the. I'm gonna watch the newest one tonight. Excellent. Excellent. Is it the, the sixth that, episode now. Uh, it'll be the fourth. Hawkeye tonight. Tonight's at least the fifth. No, it's not. Hmm. All right. 
It'll be the fourth. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm stoked to watch the fourth episode tonight. Yeah. Are, are you looking it up to see if I'm wrong? Nope. <laughs> That's what you're doing, aren't you? You son don't, of a don't bitch. Don't know what you're talking about. You son of a bitch. Now we got to. I'm just, I'm just collecting my notes for, uh, for the next segment of this show that we're doing together. Oh, sure. Hawkeye. I'm pulling it up now, too. Season three, episode three was the last one. Episode four coming out tonight. Uh, oh, no, I understand out. what's happening. You're on episode four. I'm, I'm on episode five because. No, you're not. Uh, I'm looking at it. I've got it pulled up right now. Because it's I have, episode no, no, four. I That's how it would look for a civilian. But I'm on Jeremy Renner's uh, personal VIP. Oh, you're on his little social list. media thing that he made on his own right. back in the day. I wasn't, I'm not supposed to talk about it, but he and I are buddies and I get the episodes one week in advance. Oh, so I'm on five. One you're other on thing. Four. Speaking of personal buddies, I went to a special screening of Dune, saw Dune for the third time with uh, director uh, Denis Villeneuve at Warner Brothers in their special theater, which honestly is the best theater I've ever been in. It is, That's it's so like cool. watching the movie for the first time ever because it, it had a sound system unlike any I've ever heard. It was incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Should and I screamed, to the home? I screamed multiple times, Denis! Denis! <laughs> you should fun. have called him Denis Moore. No, I would never disrespect him like that. Say Denis Moore. He's more one of my Dune. favorite directors between that, the new Blade Runner, I said? I said Prisoner's Arrival. So good. Oh, more Denis. Okay, I get you. Yeah. I get you now. Thank you. I see what you did. Let's talk about Home Sweet Home Alone. Oof. So, like, you know how um, I'm just realizing that we didn't do the synopsis for either of these. No, movies. but we don't need to don't for the original to. Home Alone. I don't think we need to for this one either. No. Um, you know how SNL is like known for being hit or miss with their skits. Yeah. And like sometimes the skits like go on for too long, and sometimes that's okay because they're funny. But other times it's just like fuck, man. Like this wasn't funny to begin with. Why are we still here? Yeah. Right? No, exactly this- what you mean. This feels exactly like that. Like from the first, uh, like literally the first scene of the movie with Keenan uh, being the 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 realtor. Um, I was like, oh, this feels exactly like an SNL skit. Just like the way it's I paced, agree. the jokes that they're going for, and like it doesn't, and it doesn't feel like a movie. And that's something that I really like about Home Alone, the original one, is that it feels cinematic. It feels it like an, um, like an adventure, like a story that is put together for you by a person with a vision, with a unique vision that wants to tell you a story that's going to have a, a moral and a beginning and a middle and an end and a, and a purpose to it. And the, this movie started out and I was like, oh, we're in bad hands, man. So, this is just an SNL skit. And then I went and I looked up who wrote it and it's uh, two guys from SNL. Oh, there you go. So. Yeah. When they announced this for Disney Plus, and I'm like, mm, we did, you know, two movies without a Macaulay Culkin that weren't very good, didn't do very well. But you know what? Disney Plus, they've been doing some pretty good stuff. Oh, the kid from Jojo Rabbit, you know, the the chubby, cute one that was one of my favorite parts of that movie. Maybe this isn't going to be so bad. Rob Delaney, okay. L.A. Kemper, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, this, this could be fun. And... Like you said, from the very very beginning, it was just really bad. I watched the trailer for it, and I was just like, ooh. And it's yeah. just, the trailer was bad, and I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just a bad trailer. But I I think I genuinely liked one part of this movie. And it's when he, <laughs> um, he dressed, both movies have this thing where they, you know, obviously the Angels with Filthy Souls is the, the movie that he really oh, likes. I, I hated this part. 
Yeah. Well, this isn't the part. So they do the stupidest okay. thing, and I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But in this version of the movie, he kind of like idolizes is Scarface. He dresses up mm-hmm. as Tony Montana. He has his Does like, he realize that he's doing that? He would have to because he does the t-shirt cannon and then he goes and has the pile of M&Ms and shoves his face in the pile of M&Ms. Is there any other scene where he's like, hey, I love Scarface? No, but like, and he doesn't even watch it. He just I think dresses it, I think up. that's a joke. I think it's a joke for us. But it doesn't he make just any happens. S- no, I know. That's why I don't like it. But I yeah, think so he, he but just happens to I didn't like that. that. But he dresses up as like Tony Montana first mm-hmm. and then he puts on a dress and then I, I genuinely laughed at that. And he kind of was like, oh, yeah. huh. And then he goes back to Tony Montana and that I kind of laughed when he put on the dress. Yeah, but and that, that also... That feel, I mean, that felt very insincere. That felt just like, oh, you know, we're gonna put a moment in this movie where the kid is uh, does something woke, but just because, like, I don't, I don't even know how to say it, because they know that'll get a reaction, right? Not because they genuinely want to show a kid like being p- potentially gender fluid or just like comfortable uh, doing something outside of the norm. I don't know. It felt it felt insincere, and it just it, I was just like, I think eh. you're right for the movie, but I think that's the only part where the kid felt believable yeah because i liked this that kid was, in jojo rabbit and that I that moment makes me want him to be a real life bobby hill <laughs> <laughs> do you just, do do you realize how much of this movie is spent explaining away why this premise could happen in 2021 yeah so much of it and like the thing that drives me crazy the most about it is there's just no excuse for it in this one like the mom doesn't tell anybody like hey make sure you know my son gets up on the you know gets on this flight because the premise of this one the big oh how did this get fucked up was um they were all on one flight to tokyo but it was overbooked so they ended up getting rebooked on two separate flights and the mom goes without telling any of the adults hey make sure my son gets on this flight and then pete holmes is you know her brother-in-law or brother and then um love pete holmes i hate pete holmes (laughs) hate him Keep but going. you know it's fine. Um, he's just really obnoxious whenever he guest stars on other people's podcasts. And then hey, j- don't worry about it. Keep keep going with what you're saying. I don't want but, to detract you. Yeah, but uh, you know they just nobody realizes that he's gone, and nobody realizes that he's supposed to be on the plane. And there's no follow up from the mom, and that's it. Like there's just no rational reason why this really should have happened. Him getting left alone. Yeah, and let's see. Um. I wrote down a, f- a few of these examples because I feel like there's it feels like exposition ju- uh, dumps about why um, why these things are happening. It j- it's like so spe- specific. Uh, my note is literally they spend so much of this movie explaining how uh, explaining how improbable the issue is in 2021. Yeah, well, they, they do that. Oh, we don't have a home phone, so we can't call. And right, it's like, right, stuff like that. Yeah, and then like. He has a computer. He goes on it and like he tries to get to like porn and stuff and he can't. But it's just like he cl- like what she doesn't shoot an email. She doesn't do like there's so many other ways of technology that you could get right. through to this kid. And yeah, she doesn't exactly. do any of them. Um, another one of my my main beefs with this movie is that um, they they made the bad guys like real people and like relatable parents like good. They made the bad guys good guys. And it was all just a misunderstanding. And I you know, they know that they were doing that. And at the end, they have this moment. Spoilers. They have the moment where they're like, oh, so you're just alone. Well, we were just trying to, you know, keep our house because we love our family. Why don't you be a part of our family? And I just feel I felt like maybe uh, we should explain that just a little bit. So the yeah, basic yeah. premise is 
Um, Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper are going to lose their home because Rob Delaney's character, Jeff, um, is in like data management and everything's in the cloud now. They, I can't tell you how many times they say it, the cloud in this movie. Sorry, um, let me let me, let me me uh, sidebar for just a second. This and the milk joke, they thought were so funny and yeah. they just keep on hitting these jokes like, oh, wow, these people have a lot of milk in their house. And like, oh, it's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. Yeah. And I think they thought that people would be like rolling in the aisles and neither one of those things are funny at all. Maybe five years ago, the cloud joke would have done better, but you know, not today. This movie but, feels like it was written at least five years ago. Yeah. So- they're going to lose their home because he's been out of work for X amount of time. Um, the only reason they their paths cross is the kid has to go pee and they're, you know, they just left the store and they're not close enough to that he can make it home. So they stop in at this open house and he goes to the bathroom and then they see these like weird funky dolls with an upside down face. And the mom comments, oh, I've seen that doll before. Like, I think it goes for like $5,000. And then the doll goes missing. They assume the kid took it and they find out that it's actually worth $200,000 and that it will save their family. Um, and that's really what it is, is like they're going to lose their home. And so they, you know, they go to the house to try to be like, hey, can we get our doll back? But no one's there. But then they hear the alarm code for whatever reason. And then they find the key. So he's just like, well, I'm just going to go in the house and get it. And then they overhear a conversation like he's talking like oh this ugly boy i'm gonna get this ugly boy and sell it to a grandma and the kid hears that and he's just like well nope i'm just gonna fuck up anybody who comes to my home and that's kind of so like stupid. the crust of the movie but it's just the kids like ugh. why can't why can't it just be a couple guys who want to break into the house right see how easy that is yeah i i do want to give one glowing thing about this movie I am so happy, and even though there is a McAllister in this movie, Buzz is a cop in this movie, um, I am so glad that it wasn't, oh, it's going to be Kevin's kids, and Kevin left him here, and Catherine O'Hare is going to be like, ah, oh, you see how easy it is? I'm glad they didn't go that route. I mean, I guess. <laughs> and I'm also glad that they didn't go, oh, we're not going to get Macaulay Culkin, but like, oh, you know, Macaulay Culkin's kids get dropped off at Catherine O'Hare's house um, for, to stay with grandma and then something happens and they need to defend. I'm just really glad that they didn't try to shoehorn the McAllisters as the protagonists of the movie. I mean, but they did shoehorn the McAllisters in. Yeah, I like, mean, they Buzz, did put Buzz, Buzz in. It doesn't need to be in the same universe. Buzz no. is a, so, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, Buzz is a cop now. A shitty cop. I don't think he's even, a, is he a cop or is he? No, uh, he's a cop security no he's a cop okay so buzz is a cop and he checks on the house and he's tricked by ellie kemper flirting with him um to not check inside the house to be fair i would be wooed by ellie kemper sure sure we all would be and then uh he gets a call from the station and they're like hey can you check on this house we we got a report that a kid is there alone that his family accidentally left him and he's like you know what that happened to me one time and my my brother likes to play pranks so it's definitely not happening again like he literally says hey that's a thing that happened it can't possibly be happening right well now. then he also goes also like i saw the house it's a McAllister security system because you know that i, I do kind of like that little wink that you know kevin went into security if but buzz like, wasn't a cop i wouldn't have a problem with that right so yeah it's and, and, like, and the then other the, thing and then that, that scene ends with Buzz eating a burrito and like it's making me feel sick right now. He like eats it purposefully very gross and yeah, there's and it no just, like, explanation goes for it in the movie. It's like the old uh, Carl's Jr. commercials. If it doesn't get all over your face, it doesn't yeah. lie on your face, except it's not a hot chick. So like what's the joke that he's that he's kind of gross that he's fat. They're fat shaming him. 
I guess so. So the other thing, so I, I think the biggest thing that's disappointing to me in this movie is you go from Macaulay Culkin, who's arguably one of the, if not the greatest, one of the greatest child actors of all time. He does drama really well. Like he did uh, The Good Son, which is a fantastic movie. Obviously, he did all the, you know, the kid movies he did, Home Alone, Richie Rich and whatnot. Um, but arguably one of the greatest comedic child actors of all time. His comedic timing is perfect. His delivery is great. He's sincere. He's charming. This kid, and there's a lot of like dialogue that they recycle, like, are you ready for more? This kid doesn't deliver any of the lines well. He's not likable. Like, this kid is shitty to everybody. His mom is really nice to him. Like, some of his siblings, like his family aren't nice to him, but they're not actively mean to him like they were in the original yeah. movie. Yeah. They're just like hanging out with the house and this kid is shitty to everyone he shows up to church and he sees a toy drive and he's just like yeah and he can i get to a shopping cart can i get a shopping cart can i get these toys like he know, like this kid is 10 or 11 years old he knows what a toy drive is he knows you can't go to a church and he's just collect toys yeah. and even if he only had a vague idea you would know you can only get one you can't just yeah. go like i'm gonna take all these toys like fuck this kid I feel like the the guys writing this like did not understand the original movie at all. No, you know? and, like, and they're like they're our age. They're they're adult men in their mid thirties. They grew up with that movie. They should and, know. Yeah, and they just uh, it just seems like they they didn't watch it. They didn't care about it at all. Nothing that was uh, special about the first movie is in this one. Or the you know there's a what feels like maybe it's attempts like making this movie about uh, bringing people together and family and stuff, but it feels uh, like surface level and insincere. Yeah, um, like well, the the dad, like uh, what's his name? Rob the kid's Delaney. dad. No, no, not the other dad. Oh, yeah, I don't. Remember. He's like not even in this movie. He's literally in, uh, I think, forty five seconds of the movie. Yeah, if even. And like for a movie about family, I don't know anything about, um, you know, the new Kevin's parents or siblings or whatever. Yeah, well, and like none of them are cool. Like they're, you know, they just don't care. Like um, Pete Holmes' character is just like. Well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Like every, it was just, just like every, in a different movie in this. Yeah, I, I just, thought he was funny, but he's not in the same movie. He's just like everybody is just like trying to not be the one that's at fault for leaving Max there. Yeah, it's just like there isn't really any Max concern, and like she's just able to get on a flight and get back. Like it just takes time, and like the other thing is like this kid doesn't grow. Like nothing changed. Like he's not necessarily afraid. He doesn't have. That that neighbor that's scary that he needs to learn to not judge. Like, there's no lessons learned by this kid. Yeah. And, like, he just gets bailed out at the end because they're like, oh, we got this money. And so we'll just pay for the, you know, the um, the renovations to your house because now we have $200,000. Yeah. Like, and also the the sister or the sister-in-law um, says, oh, I'm so glad they're not poor anymore, which, like, uh, tone deaf line in 2021. Yeah. Um, but then on top of that, like, they got $200,000. They're... I, the last scene was not clear to me, but it seems like they're on the hook for some of the repairs to the big house, right? They just offered to pay for it. Okay. Um, so she says, "So I'm so glad they're not poor anymore. And I was thinking like, um, you know, they got $200,000 and that buys enough time for the dad to find a new job, right? They're still poor. Like $200,000 well, is not job. that much. Uh, within the year, not immediately. Yeah, but I'm just, but they're they they're in the same position. Like two hundred thousand dollars immediately. Make you yeah, not they poor. would have been in the same position. Yeah, it just means That's, that they don't lose their house. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make you not poor. No, absolutely. And um, God, I just don't even know what to say. You, 
you it's telling me that this was written book. by SNL writers who were in their, you know, 30s to 40s surprises yeah. me because I would have thought that this was written by some 60, you know, 40, 50, 60 year old men who don't understand technology because there's a point where like they put a VR headset on oh, yeah. Rob Delaney's still character. still got his clothing and hands. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, it has his clothing and hands. And he doesn't it's, realize that he has it's a VR. It's better than the OAs. It's better than Ready Player One. It looks real. He doesn't feel the helmet on his head, any of this. Like, it's just to, makes no sense. To be no fair, sense. he just had a, uh, um, a Beller's ball, ball shot at him in a shot bunch. His head. So he might have a little bit of brain trauma. The one thing I do think is interesting is other than that, like shooting a Billard's ball at somebody, because Billard's balls are used as weapons in movies a lot where people will yeah. grab a you know a ball and smack somebody sure. over the face with it. That is probably the deadliest thing that this kid did. Like the traps are not quite as deadly as the Kevin McAllister he does, ones. He shoots thumbtacks at Ellie Kemper's face. Yeah, but that's not and I know that's I know that's not lethal, but like she could have got one in her eye or something yeah. like it's... um. It's less cartoony because it's a uh, it's a sharp thing penetrating your skin. Yeah, you know. Um, but I mean, in the original one, you got Joe Pesci's hand was burned to have an M I know, scar I'm, in it forever. I'm saying having something actually penetrate your skin, though, just like I think subconsciously is more violent than a burn. Mm, fair um, and 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 to your point, though, you're right. Like, I think the original movie sets itself up as a bit of a cartoon early on. Yeah, and and um. And on that note, like uh, Harry and Marv are just bad guys. They're, they are bad guys. We don't sympathize with them at yeah. all. And it would be easy to to make the audience sympathize with them because maybe they're uh, poverty stricken and they're just trying to they're just trying to get by or whatever. And the movie makes a point of saying, no, 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 that's not what's happening. These are bad guys. Um, Harry, this is just all premeditated. Wants to de- Harry just wants to destroy people's houses. Like he, the wet bandit thing is yeah. like evident. And Marv calls it out too. Like. Um, he's sick. Like he's a bad person with bad wiring. You know, yeah. he just wants to ruin other people's things. Some people just want to watch the world burn. And this movie goes out of its way to point out that um, Ellie Kemper and Rob Delaney are good people, and they're being forced into this situation. And they've tried. They've exercised every other option, and all they want to do is take care of their family. So when they start getting thumbtacks shot at them and yeah. falling down, shit I don't feel good about watching them get in hurt. the head and in the dick with billiard balls and ba- uh, bags of sand and shit. I'm like, oh, I'm not enjoying this at all. Like, no, I don't want to see it, these people it get feels beat up. wrong. Watching, these are people like, that I would be friends with. Like, yes, they're still technically breaking the law. Dude, but- the first the first time that uh, Rob Delaney looked in the window and he thinks that he sees the thing and. Pete Holmes has basically given the keys and the code to the house. Like he, he said it out loud and he put the keys away right in front of this stranger. Uh, Rob Delaney looked in the window and I was like, yeah, go in and get it. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Honestly. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's wrong, but like you also kind of get it. Like there's no harm in that. Yeah. He, he's, he would have just gone in, looked in the pocket. He would have seen that it's a can of soda and be like, oh fuck. All right. And then left. Yeah. And yeah, you know, if that happened to me, I wouldn't press charges against that person. Right. And that's just the whole movie. Don't break into my house, guys. Right. The mom is nice, but she just doesn't have any foresight to make sure her kid's taken care of. I just there's not anything about this movie that's redeemable. Yeah. And then, oh, we teed up something. So I think this is the most egregious foul of this movie. So there's a point where they uh, he's watching a even uh, uh, Angels with Filthy Souls, but it's a remake and it's a futuristic remake and it kind of looks like Flash Gordon and one of the characters goes, oh, the remakes are never as good as the original. Why the fuck would you say that 
in a movie yeah, they that think is a they remake. Think they're being clever. And yeah, like, not. and that's a, I don't know what that that trope is called. Like, that has a thing where it's just like, oh, if the movie calls out something being ridiculous, then the audience will give it a pass. But yeah, like, that's not a kind it. of thing that you give it a pass. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's, it's called hanging a hat on it or something. <clears throat> yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, and it doesn't work. Uh, I think if it's like, I guess you could argue this, but if it's something that's unavoidable and you're just trying to hand wave it away and be like, hey, we're here to have a good time. Let's have a good time. Uh, then it's like, you know, whatever. But this movie doesn't seem like it's interested in the audience having a good time. So it feels like more of a fuck you. Like that line, that line to me felt like, uh, what's his name from uh, from Veep? Just being like, hey, we already got your money. You're here. You're watching yeah. it. You know you're in. Fuck you. Yeah. It's not. We're not even going to make this good. Fuck you, yeah. audience. Yeah. That's probably just, a good place to end this, honestly. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I have I, so many notes, but it's just like things that are wrong with this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of things wrong with this movie. It's just, it's not fun. I felt like I was in Kevin's house being attacked watching it. Yeah, it's, I just, I don't have anything else to say. Like, this is one of the worst movies I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah. Like, the the, the only good thing I said about the movie was the fact that it just didn't do, that it didn't do something that I thought would have been worse. Like, I, I don't have anything redeeming to say. So uh, I think it goes without saying this remake didn't need to happen. It absolutely shouldn't have happened. And I was really hoping it wouldn't be a Home Alone 3 or whatever the fourth Home Alone movie was called. There's a fourth one that has a different kid in it. Don't remember what it's called. But like this, no, 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 no. It was, it was a waste of everyone's time that was involved. Yeah, everybody. The audience, the bad. crew, uh, the actors. There, you know, like, there, there, there's a better movie that exists in another universe with uh, Pete Holmes, Ellie Kemper, uh, Rob Delaney, Jim Rash, Chris Parnell, maybe Keenan Thompson. Yeah. All these people could have been in something one, else. So well, let's wrap it up. Give us your plugs. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the Instagrams at Dyslexic, D-Y-S, Alex, I-C. I'm on Twitter at Polishi, and I'm on TikTok at Polishi as well. And you can follow along with the movies that I'm watching in my letterbox, also at Polishi. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And you guys can check out everything that's MDX Pods related at MDXPods.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at MDX Pods. If you would like to support the show and get early access, bonus episodes, and whatnot, you can uh, check us out at patreon.com slash mdxpods. Uh, but other than that, thanks for listening and uh, happy holidays and whatnot. Um, our next episode will probably be something Spider-Man related, but we'll, we'll figure that out eventually. We'll see you soon. Bye.